welcome back into another special edition of the Rattle Podcast. As always, my name is Jesse Friedman, and here in this special edition of the show, we are honored to be joined by a longtime friend of the show. His name is Dan Zimborski. Dan is a senior writer for Fangraphs. He's also a contributor for ESPN. He's the guy who created Zips. Uh, he is just kind of an, an all-around baseball guru, and he is here with us today. Uh, Dan, first of all, I know the, the world is kind of a, a crazy, contentious <laughs> place right now. How are you doing personally? I'm doing pretty well. I mean, baseball is back, which is good because, you know, I'm employed as a baseball writer. And like most people, I like to get paid for doing a job and then being able to pay <laughs> bills and things. So having baseball back is a big boost to that kind of thing. Uh, I, I mean, you know, you always have that feeling in the back of your uh, back of your head that you're thinking, what if there's no baseball in 2020? What if I'm a baseball writer with and baseball doesn't exist essentially for 18 months? Uh, but it's I mean, it's there have been some problems, to say the least so far, but we are seeing baseball games. So it that's a good thing. That is that is a good thing for sure. Well, uh, Dan, there's been all sorts of news coming out uh, lately about baseball, both good and bad, really just kind of all over the place at this point. Uh, the first thing I want to ask you about is baseball's handling of this situation with the Miami Marlins that has come up. The Marlins obviously uh, had a few players test positive, and it turned out it came to a team group chat whether or not they were going to play their game on Sunday, which they certainly should not have played. It has ultimately led to a bit of an outbreak now with the Marlins now having a total of 17 of their 30 uh, players on their active roster testing positive. And now today we heard that the Philadelphia Phillies have had a coach and a clubhouse attendant test positive, which of course is big news because that's the team the Marlins were playing. And it seems like this is the kind of thing that might have moved from one team to another. How, how what's what's your confidence level, Dan, uh, just in Major League Baseball and how they've handled this? And do you think this is something that, you know, baseball can overcome and still find a way to finish the 60 game season in the long run? I think baseball itself, Major League Baseball, needs to give better, make it clearer to teams that it's not just a league problem containing COVID-19. Containing COVID-19 is literally everybody's problem. It's the front office, it's the manager, it's the coaches, it's the players. And I think MLB deserves some negative marks for that. Uh, I do think that the Marlins need to take a lot of the blame because it doesn't seem like any of this was sensible. I got Marlins Twitter that's actually a thing, believe it or not. Very <laughs> angry with me because I suggested that I think Don Mattingly should be suspended for the rest of the season. And sure. I still do. I, I think, you know, having that decision relegating it to the players was just completely irresponsible. But they say, oh, well, Don Mattingly's job is to is to get ready for the game. It's not his job to, to not play. He, they should have to wait for MLB to do that. But MLB is, you know, a central, you know, parent organization, essentially. These are the guys who are on the ground, and they have to use common sense and caution if we want to finish the 2020 season with, with as few interruptions as possible. Uh, it means that everybody's job is containing COVID-19. I'm a baseball writer slash virus mitigator. <laughs> Don Mattingly is a baseball manager slash virus mitigator, and so on. It's like a little hyphen that's on everybody's job until you know this is all under control, and that's that people aren't taking that route, saying it's someone else's problem to contain it. That's kind of why the country's in this problem right now. Because, yeah, there's been a lack of guidance some, a lot of times from government, but it comes down to the people, and the people have to take care of it because that's where it's going to be enforced. Uh, arresting people for mask use, 
or lack of mask use isn't going to do anything. It mm. only will work when if everybody's on board and, and baseball's no different. Now, when we talk about completing the season, I'm still pretty optimistic. Uh, I don't think that everybody's going to end up with 60 games and that's kind of, you know, that, that stinks. But in a year like this, it's the kind of thing that has to be forgiven. If if one team wins, plays 55 games and another plays 60, I think that's going to be just in the realm of, okay, too bad. This isn't going to be the the, the fairest season in history. Sure. Uh, that's why we have 16 teams in the playoffs, hopefully just for this year. Please, just for this year. Um, <laughs> so I, I think we'll complete it in some form. I think they'll get to the playoffs and... Hopefully when the playoffs come, with when you know the teams, fewer teams, you'll be able to not bubble as much, uh, but at least control it a little better. Uh, now, now baseball doesn't have the bubble that the NBA uh, does, but MLB does have the advantage in that this sport, baseball, is the least contacty of the major sports. Hmm. Uh, especially, you know, uh, compared to basketball and football. Because basketball, yeah, you don't have a lot of guys. Uh, but you also they're 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 pretty close to each other. There's no social there's no social distancing uh, on 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 defense uh, um, unless you're Russell Westbrook. But we won't go into that. Uh, <laughs> that was mean. Um, and uh, obviously in football, you know every every play in football is kind of a clothed orgy in some sense. Uh, so <laughs> I think it for the actual games, baseball's going to be pretty decent it's the travel and the and the getting around the dugout that would be a bigger help yeah well you mentioned expanded playoffs dan which i know you were very vocal on twitter that you know what this is we'll let it slide for this year but i sure hope it doesn't stick around i want to get your perspective on that because baseball this was a very very last minute decision as we all know literally i think it was less than three hours before first pitch on opening day, baseball and the Players Association come out with an agreement. They expanded the postseason from 10 teams to 16 teams. Sounds like it's going to be instead of just the first place team from each division having a guaranteed ticket. Now it's the first two teams. And then they'll also take two additional teams with the best records from each uh, league on top of that. Uh, Dan, this, I mean, this is interesting. It's something that's kind of been tossed around in baseball for, for a long time, but it seems like 2020 is is just kind of the season where baseball is is trying everything. We have the DH, we have the three-batter minimum for, for relief pitchers. Uh, we have all sorts of new things coming into play that may or may not stick in the future. And I, I know I thought it was hilarious when you tweeted that on, on that day when the news came out that Basically, Major League Baseball and the Players Association have agreed to make the regular season meaningless by expanding the playoffs, which which I, I agree with because, I mean, 16 teams, that's more than half of the league. It, it certainly takes away a lot of the, uh, the meaning, and uh, we were talking so much about how much each of these individual games matters here in a 60-game season, and, and it kind of feels like some of that has been mitigated now. Yeah, I, it, it makes playing the season a little less practical at that point if you're just going to do 16 teams you might as well my one of my proposals for a weird season was to do just a 32 team tournament say best of 15 hmm. uh that way you can keep teams in one place and bubble them uh for the final two teams either you know give last year's world series uh participants a buy or do like an al nl futures roster which would, would kind of be fun hmm. uh 
as long as you're going to be weird, go all in on weird. Uh, but <laughs> the, the thing about it, doing it in a normal season is baseball is not the same competitive environment as other sports are. The difference between teams and baseball is really, really small. There's a reason we need 162 games. Even 162 games doesn't really determine if you know a 90-win team is better than an 85-win team. Uh, and a short series certainly doesn't. So it's really, really weird to have, like, the Dodgers could, you know, win every game this year. Obviously, that's not going to happen at this point. But they could win the game every year and then lose two or three because any team in baseball can lose two or three sure. uh, to any team. The Orioles can – I mean, the Red Sox would have made the playoffs last year uh, under the system, I believe. And the Orioles took two or three. So the Red Sox, sorry, your season's over because the Orioles won two instead of one game of, of three. <laughs> And people say, oh, well, the NBA does 16 teams, but the NBA can do 16 teams because the seventh and eighth seeds and really the low seeds in base, um, basketball are essentially dead in the water. It only works in basketball because the seventh and eighth seeded teams don't continually upset things. Sure. Uh, uh, if baseball could do that, then, then yeah, it, it probably would be fine. Uh but it's it's not, not the situation in baseball. Uh, an eight seed is going to beat uh, the one seed all the time in a short series. And even NBA doesn't do two or three games. They do, you know, a longer series than that. So I, I just don't think it works in baseball uh, just on a fundamental level. And people say, well, it keeps more teams interested in the playoffs. But my question is, why are the playoffs interesting if they don't really mean anything at that point? Uh, because people say, oh, you don't want the best team to always win. It's like, yeah, it's hard to determine what the best team is. But one of the kind of the the base storylines we tell ourselves is that the winner of the World Series is probably one of the best teams in baseball. There sure. are always some exceptions, but that's kind of why baseball's postseason is important, because we, we, we buy into the, the fiction that it means something in determining who the best team is. If we kind of get rid of that and we can't suspend disbelief, then who cares about being competitive for a postseason tournament that doesn't really mean anything? If mm -hmm. winning the World Series doesn't mean anything, then who cares if your team makes the final playoffs to make the World Series? Beyond simply, hey, there's just some more baseball games. That's fun. Uh, I, I think baseball works best when making the playoffs is achievable but difficult. And under the new system, I mean, we'd have below 500 teams – literally every year in, in the playoffs. Uh, uh, I, when I simulated the season uh, in Zips in the new uh, format, I think it was like 2.6 teams on average below 500 are, are expected to make the playoffs, you know, per wow. season if we, played, if we played 2020 a million times, which I really hope we don't. Wow. Yeah, that, that's crazy. I mean, I, I know you uh, you also tweeted out about how, like, you know, this is a shortened season. This is a weird situation. Heck, we've got runners at second and extra innings. Uh, this is a, just a, a very weird situation for baseball. So maybe we can let it slide for this year. Uh, but you are really pushing that, you know, baseball doesn't continue down this route in the future. What, what do you think those conversations are going to be like for baseball? I have to imagine for this season, a big part of expanding playoffs was just trying to add some revenue into the game. Uh, some of that lost revenue, uh, of course, from not having fans in the stands. Maybe they can make up for that by um, by shelling in some extra TV revenue come, come the postseason. Uh, but, I mean, you have to believe, Dan, that may be a temptation for baseball down the line, especially if this COVID situation continues 
and and they're still not able to to fill stadiums completely next season, which I think we totally have to consider as something that could happen. Do you think that baseball could find themselves in a position next year where this is something they want to do again? It's it's possible. Obviously, I hope we're not in that position for for a number of reasons beyond playoffs. I mean, <laughs> I would take if we could eradicate COVID nineteen uh, completely from you know the world. And the penalty was we had to have 16 teams in the playoffs for the rest of my life. Yeah, I would take that trade pretty easily. Uh, yeah, th- that would be very selfish to not take that trade. Uh, but I mean, obviously that's not the situation. I don't. I'm not. I mean, I'm not a uh, you know a, a, a viral scientist, but I, I I don't think that viruses work that way where you can make deals really strange deals with them. Uh, <laughs> I, I think long term, I hope the players realize it's actually in their long term interest to not have expanded playoffs because, I mean, I've sold a lot of data to teams. I don't ask, I never ask what data is going to be done or ask anything that that kind of breaches my role of just hitting a button and sending numbers because then I kind of get a conflict of interest when I'm talking with people. Uh, but I I do believe that part of the slowdown in salaries is because playoffs are bigger because they're. The, the larger the playoffs are and the easier it is for a mediocre team to win the World Series, the less financial incentive there is to investing in players. Hmm. If we have 16 teams uh, in, in the playoffs without a really significant uh, benefit to winning the division, like we've had since the most recent update of, of playoff format, uh, well, the two... Not this one, the one before that added the, the extra wild cards and the wild card played in the game. Uh, if you don't have that, then all of a sudden the target win total essentially becomes 85 or so. It doesn't, almost every 85 win team makes the playoffs under this new format. Hmm. And there doesn't really, there's not that much of a benefit in a short series to be a 100 win team instead of an 85 win team. The differences are, are quite small. And if teams don't have an actual incentive to be a 100-win team instead of an 85-win team, then why would you spend $300 million regularly in free agency? You wouldn't. Sure. Uh, and I, I do think that I, I hope that the, that the union realizes this. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure that leadership does. I'm not really sure that the players completely get this and how free agents or how teams evaluate free agents. Uh, I'm I'm in a position to know pretty well because you know I've, I do a lot of projecting and people buy projections. Um, I, I I think that it, it's it's just the players have to be very wary of this. Dan, I, I swear you're the only sane voice out there in the Joe Kelly controversy. Uh, please tell the people what what is reasonable <laughs> when it comes to this guy and, and what he did on Tuesday night. I do think I do think MLB kind of muddied the issue when they included the taunting and part of it. It should have just been for the headhunting period. Uh, he's a repeat offender. Uh, I'm there's a real argument about whether eight games is proper, given that it's the percentage of the season. But we also suspend people for games, not percentages of seasons like uh, Domingo Herman's uh, uh, assault penalty mm. does not drop in more than half because of, of the season being shorter. It's still a, he still has that 80 game penalty. It doesn't say, Oh, it's, it's now a 36 game penalty. That, that doesn't actually happen. Sure. And there's a very real dispute about that, that the whole philosophical basis for the penalty is it the games, is it the penalty of the season. But I, I don't 
think that baseball benefits to having players essentially trying to hurt each other. Uh, and I know people are aggrieved that the Astros uh, weren't suspended, and it would have been ideal if they had been suspended. But the truth is that that the commissioner of baseball only has the ability to punish players for rules that are agreed upon with the union. Hmm. Uh, one reason that baseball was very quick to grant immunity to uh, both Astros and Red Sox players is that they probably didn't really actually have any way to discipline them at all. They could have tried to to uh, to punish them, but it's been pretty well established going back to the drug trials in the 80s or the drug arbitration hearings that that baseball, when they make up their penalties, that the MLBPA pretty much always wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember like when Denny Nagel uh, was released by the Rockies for the issue with, what was it, a prostitute? I'm trying to remember. Well, they tried to release him based on the character clause. Uh, the MLBPA, as usual, uh, you know, appealed to that, and they agreed on the eve of the hearing to the Rockies agreed to give him 95 percent of his uh, remaining salary. Uh, so that <laughs> that pretty much tells you exactly how the owners, when when push comes to shove, realize what they can do about player discipline in that way. So there wasn't really a realistic scenario in which Manfred could have punished the players. If I know players are angry now, but if they were angry, the time to take action was when MLB sent the letter to the Red Sox initially in 2017, warning them of electronic sign stealing. If this was going to be something that players cared about, then as union members of, of the MLBPA, it was their job to advocate for the union and the membership based on voting to negotiate with the owners to set forth a system of penalties. That was the response. Now, when they say, oh, he got more, jo- uh, Joe Kelly got more games suspended for throwing at the Astros, and the Astros got it for throwing, for, not throwing, for, for stealing signs. Uh, yeah, because your, act- your inaction is why the Astros could not be penalized so it's a little hypocritical mm. that in a complaint the commissioner didn't suspend the Astros uh, I I think it's a very odd complaint for a union member to say we are mad that the commissioner of baseball didn't grossly violate our collective bargaining agreement <laughs> I, that, it's, a, it's an odd argument to make and it seems to be one that could come back and haunt them at some point uh, so now it appears there's been some talk that they do have a framework for future penalties, but you know, you can't grandfather in old penalties. It doesn't work like that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, Dan, I want to transition here to, uh, to the Arizona Diamondbacks a little bit, talk a little D-backs. This is a Diamondbacks podcast after all. So we're kind of obligated to do that. Uh, even though this is not really a team that many of us want to be talking about right now, it was, uh, to say the least, a, a rough start for them. Um, in San Diego, they lost three out of four. They had a series split with the Texas Rangers after really having a, a good shot to uh, to sweep the series last night. Unfortunately, Andrew Chafin blew up, and the and the bullpen was unable to hold things down for them. Uh, you look at the NL West right now, Dan, and obviously it's still early, even in a sixty game season. But the Colorado Rockies are are four and one. Uh, they lead the NL West as we speak right now. Of course, the Dodgers are at four and two. The Padres looks really good in that series against the Diamondbacks. They're at four and two, and the Diamondbacks are in the basement right now. 
at two and four. Uh, when you think about the NL West, Dan, how do you think the Diamondbacks stack up compared to these other teams? I, I think the Dodgers are clearly better. I don't think I would get any pushback from anybody listening nope. that the Dodgers <laughs> are clearly the best team in the NL West if you if you played a million games. Uh, and Zips, and I, I tend to agree with Zips on this one, thinks that the Padres have more upside than Arizona did. So pretty much all the simulations had the Padres edging out the Diamondbacks. And then a fairly large gulf between the Diamondbacks and the Rockies and the Giants. Uh, now that the fact that the Rockies have won four out of five uh, when we record this, it, it, it does create a bit of a problem uh, for the Diamondbacks because that's almost 10% of the season. Yeah. For, for the Diamondbacks, 10% of the season is over. This is like the equivalent of you know 16 games already. Uh, we're, we're, we're halfway – we're more than halfway through April in, in, in <laughs> philosophical terms. Sure. Uh, so – so if you ever watch poker on TV, uh, do you ever watch poker on TV? I do not, Dan, no, but you'll have to tell me about it. <laughs> okay, well, anyway, when, uh, when, 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 when players are all in with their chips, uh, they, they show their hands, and on the screen there's like a probability of, of one player beating the other. Hmm. Uh, and then every time another card is, is, is dealt, then those probabilities change very rapidly. All of a sudden, if you have you know three of a kind on the board – and the other guy gets his his last heart or, or spade or whatever, those you, those probabilities can go from 22% to 100% instantly. <laughs> and it's like that. Every every game is crucial to, to determining who makes the playoffs. Uh, coming into the season, uh, I don't have an updated Zips uh, for today, but the general Fangraphs odds, uh, the Diamondbacks were 47%. Uh, that was their probability of making the playoffs under the new system. And uh, that's dropped uh, now to, I believe, hold on. Oh, I hit back on my browser. <laughs> Confound it. Uh, well, that's dropped to 32%. Essentially, they've lost a sixth of a playoff spot already in hmm. in six games. Sure. Uh, and the Rockies have seen their probability go up by a similar amount. Because every game is important. Uh and so I know that's a cliche, but it, it 60 game season, we're essentially starting what would be, you know, the trade deadline in a normal year. This is the stretch run. Hmm. Uh, so it, it changes the threshold on how teams should act uh, for the rest of the season. It seems weird to say that the Rockies should now be more aggressive at approaching winning now rather than winning later because they run four out of five. But that's the situation they're in now. Now they have a quicker, you know, impetus to to push for a playoff spot. And teams that get off to slow starts, uh, we're, I mean, we're not there yet, but I think that the threshold for rebuilding isn't really that high. Uh, the Tigers are, are four and two, but say they end up losing four in a row. I think at that point, they're almost a rebuild team. I mean, a rebuild in 2020 team there. They're always a rebuilding team. <laughs> uh, but it'll be interesting to see uh, how teams react to what's an unusual season because there's there's no script for a year like this. There are sure. no minor leagues. There's 60 games. There's a raging pandemic. So from a baseball standpoint, I think that the teams that are creative are going to eke out those extra winner those extra wins that they need to make the playoffs uh, in these one or two win races. 
I think a big concern for Diamondbacks fans uh, coming out of these first couple series, we've seen Madison Bumgarner pitch twice now. Yeah, he hasn't looked bad, I, I wouldn't say. He's certainly limited contact. He's given up five runs over 11 innings so far. So uh, certainly far from far from disaster. Um, but I, a big concern, Dan, I'm not sure if you've heard about this, but Bumgarner has averaged about 88 miles an hour with his fastball uh, so far in those two starts, which, you know, we all knew that was a possibility at some point. He's got almost 2,000 innings on his arm. Uh, but last year, he was still up in the 91-92 range with his fastball. I think a lot of people expected, you know, maybe the velocity will dip a little eventually, but it, it has been a catastrophic uh, drop-off so far to start the season. And he, he still looked pretty pretty effective for, for the most part, but during the post-game press conference yesterday, he, he seemed dumbfounded. He literally uh, told us as the media, he said, your guess is as good as mine. He said, everything you know seems to be coming out just right, but when he looks up at the board, the number is just different than it's been in the past. How, how viable do you think Madison Bumgarner is at the top of a rotation if he's only throwing about 88 miles an hour? I, I think he's still viable. Uh, I think he will have to go, you know, the Zach Greinke route and go all in on being a nibbler, a finesse pitcher. Uh, but I mean, he wasn't exactly, you know, he's he's been closer to '80s Frank Tanana than '70s Frank Tanana uh, for for really most of his career. And I don't say that to be mean. I love Frank Tanana. Uh, it is concerning when you lose three miles per hour. And I wasn't initially concerned until I saw some of the quotes because I did see that the that the velocity was down, uh, and. He hasn't had a great year because not only is his velocity down, but uh, Zips actually estimates that his bat as a pitcher is actually about 20% of his value and his predicted <laughs> value over the course of the contract. So the universal DH suddenly being a thing has already kind of lopped off 20% uh, of, of, of his his performance, which really stinks. Uh, I'm, I'm personally in favor of if they don't completely abolish the DH, making it a home team decision uh, hmm. across the league. I think it's an interesting decision for teams to make. Uh, but that, 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 that's a whole other podcast that we could spend an hour talking about. But <laughs> I, I'd be mildly concerned at this point. Uh, if this were a normal season, I'd be way more concerned than I am. Sure. Uh, but this has been such an odd offseason. Uh, and players aren't able pitchers aren't able to prepare the same way that they normally do everything has their schedules their everything has just gone you know helter skelter uh uh so i i think that some players are going to be surprised that they're not quite where they need to be uh, but I, I i think 2021 if we have a normal year will probably be the, the bigger test for most players Last question here for you, Dan. Uh, you mentioned just the nature of expanding the playoffs and how it kind of decreases the incentive to, to really push all your chips in. I have to believe with, with a trade deadline that, heck, this trade deadline is, is still is about a month away from right now. Uh, teams are going to go into the trade deadline with a record of, you know, 15 and 15 or 16 and 14 or something along those lines. They're going to have to decide whether they want to make any moves uh, to kind of help their their push toward the playoffs. And, and this is a weird situation. There's no minor leagues, as we've talked about. So it's going to be a really weird uh, to try to trade for prospects at a time like this. And, and like we mentioned already, you know, having 16 teams in the playoffs there just isn't that big of a difference right now between 
you know, being the top team in your division versus, you know, being a couple teams away but still making the playoffs. Do you think, Dan, that we're going to see any kind of significant trade action come, uh, you know, a few days before that trade deadline? I, I suspect that we don't. Uh, the, the, the virus complicates things considerably. Now, if we got to a scenario where nobody was testing positive and all the measures were working, I, I think we would see a little more activity. But I, I think where it is now, I don't think teams are going to aggressively want to be swapping players around unless they need to. Hmm. Uh, uh, I, don't, I don't see any big trades for prospects, especially because there's still a possibility that the season just ends uh, because something gets out of control sure. and then you've kind of lost out in the trade. Like it would feel really bad. I know, I know no one here probably has any particular sympathy for the Dodgers, but if you're a Dodger fan or a Dodger employee, it would have felt pretty bad if there was no 2020 season and the Red Sox won the Mookie Betts trade <laughs> convincingly uh, that that would have kind of stunk. And it's a trade that might not have been made if it was known beforehand that there was might not be a 2020. Um, so I, I, I think that we're not going to see a lot of movement unless the, the environment changes rapidly towards the optimistic side, which I'm not optimistic about. Sure. Yeah, well, Dan, I think you're, you're absolutely right. You won't find a whole lot of sympathy for the Dodgers around here. I think, I think most of our listeners would have been totally okay not seeing Mookie Betts in 2020. Um, but, but alas, here we are. There's baseball. At the end of the day, it's all good news. Uh, Dan, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. We really appreciate it. No problem. You have a good one.